Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Good morning, Roxy Soxy. Good morning, Tam Tam. How are you? I have you? a new mic for you. I have broken, <gasps> I popped my cherry on my new mic. <laughs> I love it. You're like, it's like, you're so excited about it too. It's like better than any like jewelry or anything you get. You're like, it's got four settings. It's got sound. Yeah, for I, <laughs> I think I'm really turned on by technology and like just how advanced technology has got. Like you can buy cameras and you can buy lights and mics. That's like, you can become your own personalized in-house studio. And it turns me on. Like there's something about it. I don't know. Maybe it's just like the filmmaker in me. Like I love it so much more than jewelry like, like jewelry like who's gonna look at jewelry but at the sound of a mic people are gonna notice <laughs> i better not see you in the emergency room one late night with that microphone in a hole it's not supposed to be in. I, literally i was like <laughs> where is this going roxy because it has to go down the gutter we have to get there right it in the first like two the minutes perfect shape don't worry <laughs> there is no sexual activity being at my parents house so nothing is happening right now <laughs> Good. That mic isn't getting you too hot. <laughs> no, it's not. But my question to you is, um, have you ever had sex at your parents' house? <laughs> oh, well, there was a time in high school. There was a time. There was a time. So in high school, so we wasn't like full sex, but it was like my high school boyfriend and myself, we both cut school and came to my, my house while my parents were out, like for the day, like, I guess my dad was at work and my mom was running errands and we were like in the living room and in the living room, there are these windows, like in the back of the, the room yeah. that are like, like big windows. We just weren't paying attention. And we were like on the couch, like doing our thing. All of a sudden we looked, peered over and, and we see a head and it was like, no, the guy that was mowing the lawn outside there, he was like walking right no. by. Oh my and he oh. saw it all. I always say to my husband, I'm like, if, if anyone sees me naked outside the window, you're welcome. <laughs> like, you're welcome. I mean, I don't think I've got the greatest body, but I'm like, look, if someone sees a little nipple on a Saturday or a Tuesday, I'm like, that's I a mean, good day. That's a it good made their day. day. You know? <laughs> if he sees, my husband's so, um, I don't know how yours is, like, and and they grew up probably, uh, my husband grew up very differently from me. My mm -hmm. I grew up in kind of a naked house, like not... My dad wasn't like naked, but like if I walked in, he wasn't like, oh my goodness, don't look. He was just like, oh, I'm naked. I'll put on my shorts. You know what I mean? My mom yes. was like, you know, I had baths with her, like super, like very open. So I feel, even though sometimes I don't like my body, I just feel very open with my kids. Like I'm, you know, being naked, it's not an issue for me at all. Um, but Sean is very closed off, like does like shuts the door, locks the door. It, what's it like at your house? So growing up or like now, 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 and growing so now, up <laughs> now. So I definitely came from like maybe a more closed, like household like that. Yeah. More like private, like everybody sort of was like, you know, changed in their own room and like that was very close, but it's interesting now how we're bringing up our daughter 
is we're not so shut off. Like if she walks in and somebody's changing, we don't like right. freak out or anything like right. that. And we still, she and I still like, we'll have a bath. Yeah, like if she, no, I don't want that to end. No, I don't want it to end either. I'm like, please let that stay. And like, but I think for my husband, it was a harder transition right. to get to that point. Cause like mm-hmm. Sean grew up in a very closed house, like right. super close. Like he was, I remember the f- like first time, like he was in the shower and our daughter ran in, like he kind of like froze up and like turned around. I, I mean, he's still like shy about it, but he's like getting better just to, we're trying to make it not so weird for her to like look at her body. And- you have a normal kid. Like my kids walk into my husband. They're like, <laughs> Like, look, look at this it doesn't look the same like you know and so my husband's like oh my goodness like it's a lot you it's know a lot. it's a lot yeah it's a lot we we do put our husbands through a bit of like you know we're we're really we're good yeah. trainers for them you know well let's talk to I'm I'm so excited about our next guest because we've actually had her on yes. before and everyone loved her so much and her podcast um our podcast with her was trending for so long for like 50 weeks or something and everyone just wanted to like get her back on the show because she's so open and it's funny like she I really connected with her on Pretty Little Liars I think more than a lot of the other people because as again like when you're sort of a character that isn't the lead and you come in and out sometimes you feel um like you're not part of the pack at times not all the time but at times and those ancillary characters that came in and out like I just I really got on well with her and um you know, so I'm happy to have her back. So can we I, have Roxy. Can I tell you? Roxy. Oh, we oh, she's have. Like she to come on. I just put a She's like, I'll do my own intro. <laughs> Hi, Roxy. Hi, TM. I'm so happy to be back. Yay. We're so excited. We have like the one and only Lindsay, Lindsay Shaw, Shaw. Our friend of the podcast. We love having you back, Lindsay. Big friend of the podcast. Thank you. And yes. Tim, can I tell you one of my most burnt in memories of my memory of you? from yeah. Pretty Little Liars. It was, uh, let me switch to oh God, gallery. I'm so nervous. <laughs> no, it was beautiful. So it was the, I think, I think it was the first time that you brought um, your baby girl to set. Oh yeah. And Sean came with you and you were like this giddy, like Phoenix, I mean, um, you were this giddy sort of just like new mom and like Sean was there. And I just remember thinking like, what a beautiful family unit. Like the baby is so beautiful. She's got so much energy. It's almost like I got to see a part of you that like was even more um, playful and giddy. Yeah, you know? which is funny because like that was probably the hard, like it's funny what you, and I'm sure you feel this way too, what you give off, like the vibes that you give off because honestly, like just after, for the first six months to a year, I actually went on medication because I was, I'd never suffered from, um, I've always had anxiety and like OCD tendencies and things like that. So I've always been very hyper, but I've never suffered depression and I never suffered feeling low or outside of my body and like not wanting to get up and not having motivation. I've never really suffered from that until I gave birth. And a lot of that had to do with hormonally and what the fuck is happening with my life. Like I felt like a train wreck. Like I, I didn't, I don't, I feel like we've all done ourselves and maybe not as much now, but a disservice to women by like telling women and new moms, like how beautiful this is and how like, oh my goodness, you're going to feel so great. And you have this child. I was like, I felt like I had lost all of myself. And probably when you saw me, I was like over projecting and over correcting. And I was probably like, 
let's show everyone that I'm so happy and I have this beautiful child. And, and like, I was really low. Like I remember just being there going, Oh my God, like, who am I? I felt very uncomfortable in my body as well. And Mm -hmm. being an actress, you know, like you're like this, I was a little whippersnapper and, you know, I ate yeah. well and I exercised. I didn't really have an eating disorder at all. I'm pretty little liars. I had one before that, but like mm-hmm. now I'm like, I- oh my goodness, I'm not fitting into these clothes. And like, my stomach is like hanging over my pants and I'm wearing a girdle, like, you know, <laughs> so it was like, it's interesting the perception that we give off when we're struggling the most sometimes. Yeah. You know, like, what uh, what are those birthing classes like because shouldn't there be kind of like a a mom sort of like doula type figure who steps in and can like go over the more gnarly parts of it like that seems like it would be a great service I mean I think they do they do the birthing class like I had a doula paid her thousands of dollars and ended up having a c-section you know um (laughs) you know I was gonna have this beautiful kumbaya birth (laughs) in the water I was like I actually are gonna play remember that essay about your birth story yeah, I it was going to be so beautiful. And I was like, I was so fucking drugged up. And I was like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> but they don't talk a lot about, especially in America. They do in us, like Australia, they have so many programs that are free for women here and moms. And you go uh, you go and leave and they pay you and all these things. Um, so you have a lot more support in Australia. But, um, but they don't talk about the mental health aspects of it. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a, three things coupled together. One is uh, hormonally, you just lose all that um, estrogen, progesterone, like it just drops really fast. Number two is sleep deprivation. <clears throat> you are waking up, think about it every what, 45 minutes for the, like Roxy, right? For the 40, the, for the first, ye- like least year, it's like, you're so tired. You can't see straight. Like you're, you shouldn't be driving to be, to be honest. So when they say like, they leave the baby in the backseat, I'm like, I can totally understand that didn't happen to me, but you were, you're, you are not on this planet. Like you are, yeah, I mean that that's torture. Like, you know, like it's it's it you you can't function properly. And number three, I think, is just this um narrative about it being the best time of your life. And when you feel like it's not, then you kind of go into like some kind of depression, guilt, um, sort of spiral. And I think it's the three coupled that I think really affects women, but no one talks about that. I mean, mm-hmm. not women, mothers, but no one really talks about that. So I've suffered with a lot of those things that you say, motivation, depression, and that like a lot. And so my thoughts of just getting your first dose of that while you have to wake up every 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Ah, 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 that is, that is it's scary. It's, yeah, it's torture. I mean, yeah, it's torture. Wow. I mean, it really is because that's what like sleep depri- deprivation is like when they actually torture people. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. And like Timon was saying, like, you're meant to like drive around. Like I remember going to my first, like, I think it was maybe like the six week checkup, like after I had her and you know, you bring the baby with you. And I was like, so tired driving. And I'm like, I should not be driving this car. Like I should be like, not behind the wheel right now because I was so tired, you know, like so exhausted, so tired. And, you know, like, you're not, no one gives you like slack, really. Like, they're all like, okay, like, bounce back. Like, come on. It's like, you're supposed to be right back in the saddle again. And it's so sad. Like, it's no wonder so many women struggle postpartum, you know? And then also my husband just had a, um, a hernia operation and he was like cut open. And he was like, honestly, he, he said to me, how did you have a C-section? They literally cut open, I think, seven layers of muscle and flesh. 
and then they hand you a newborn baby and then and then you start to breastfeed for me was not easy and my my nipples were um like crusting over and bleeding so it's like imagine your nipples are bleeding and then you have to have something suck on it (laughs) I was like imagine over and over like your penis and it's like it's literally been hit many many times and it's bleeding and then someone has to flick it again and he's like oh my gosh and I was like yeah that's what it's like and all these people listening going I'm never having kids but it's also beautiful and amazing and that's 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 nature and life right yeah, it's almost like we have to suffer. This is what my husband said. We, it's like in life you have to suffer to to really realize what is good, to like uh-huh. really to really enjoy life. You have to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It also yeah. makes you more grateful. It's you know? it's almost like it's not paying for, but it's a transaction of energy, right? Yeah, like you this big new wave is coming at you but with that is the whole spectrum of of stuff that comes you know and it's like rock stars amazing I don't know well not only have I not like met somebody that I I can see that with but I would be very scared about my own mental health going into Mm -hmm. it you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't, not that we're even talking, but like babies, I don't know. I watch, I watch nothing but baby stuff on TikTok. I love watching dumb little babies do their thing. My friends are like, what are you watching? Nobody's doing that, mm-hmm. but they're so sweet. I just can't tell if it's meant for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Hard to know. And it's, it's also, I don't feel like you ever know, you know, it just, mm-hmm. I, how do I just, I, I knew that I had this intense need to birth a baby like it just came out of nowhere like it came out of nowhere and I wasn't feeling like I wanted to be a mom and then I just hit me and I don't know if that's the feeling or if or if you just don't know but you think well might as well try I don't know right so do you feel like you don't know so do you feel like you don't know or do you are you definitive about having kids or not I feel like I don't know. I don't know if the president, like not, not even the right situation, but like that person that I feel, you know, that about and like, gosh, that responsibility fearing like what the depression would like just a lot, a lot of the spectrum. And just knowing that like, I love being part of the village for kids in their lives. You know what I mean? The village that raises the kids for whichever kid I come across. It's just, gosh, the most beautiful exchange of energy. I just, I love kids, but I'm not certain. I'm just not quite certain whether they're, whether they're mine, but I would love to just continue to work with kids in my life and like, mm. you know, be a part of that energy because it's so healing and it's so wonderful, mm. you know, but I don't, I don't know that it's for me. You know, and I think that that's a great and an honest response because for a lot of people it isn't. And I think so much of, you know, the time women, especially who don't want to have kids are like shamed for it, you know, and it's right. like, People try to put guilt on them. I mean, I know how that feels because I thought myself I wasn't going to have children. And so, you know, when the, when it happened and it was a surprise, it turned out obviously to be the best surprise of my life. And we were so grateful that we became parents, but I remember just being guilted. I mean, by a lot of the time by men who wow. said that it was my duty to have kids and, you know, and, and put their two cents in. And it's just, it's such a shame because no matter which path a woman chooses, it should be her path. And mm-hmm. there shouldn't mm-hmm. be any like, you know, guilt associated yeah. with that, you know? Yeah, totally. I, um, I think that, that everything I'm seeing about like 
this generation sort of like putting putting like women don't need to have children up there and being very confident in that decision. I remember the first person that I had heard made that decision. She was one of my yoga teachers in Arizona and she was, you know, in her, she was 30 or 32, whatever. And she was like, yeah, we're not, we're not going to have kids. And it, it was the first time that I had understood that that could be a choice like for for somebody and then that they could rest in that, like with so much confidence. And that could be something that, that sort of, um, you know, chartered their lives is that decision Mm -hmm. not, not to have that and to make other decisions. So I think that's really interesting. I also think that I grew up, which is my mom, which is the single mom in the household, right? I never lived with, um, you know, a dad or an opposite sex parent in the house or like any siblings and anything like that. My grandma also lost her husband when she was 38 and she never, or when he was 38 and she never remarried after that, right? She, she raised the kids and did whatever. So I think like these singular woman households, Mm. something that's not foreign to me and that I don't see as like, there's not an ideal that I'm chasing that I saw when I was younger. Right. You know what I mean? Or anything that I'm trying to like model after. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I am with the single woman. Outside. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean like that. You're like that epiphany. Yeah. <laughs> that, that family unit type thing. I don't think that I crave that or as, as because I don't know it that well. You know what right. I mean? Did you ever have a relationship with your dad or was he just not in the picture? No, I did. I I definitely did. So I moved to LA when I was 12 and I did the on and off visitation with him um, from the start. Like they were separated before uh, I came out. And then I remember just feeling a little bit uncomfortable, like being at my dad's house, not for any like nefarious or strange reason, but he had like other girlfriends that he'd bring to the house. And I remember this wild feeling of jealousy like Mm. it was the first twinges of jealousy and it confused me so much because he was giving all this attention to these other women and I'm like dude I only get to see you every other weekend like postpone your date I didn't know that I could that I was thinking that then but my god like that was the birth of this really jealous feeling you want to be the apple of your father's eye right Mm. and that I think I just I just killed myself trying to be that to him and that just wasn't what it was and I God, my dad and I have gone up and down the emotional roller coaster. I mean, I've blamed him for everything. I've forgiven him for everything. I've re-blamed him. <laughs> like, you know, I've judged the crap out of him. But at the end of the day, sort of during my sobriety work, I just realized that I would never want him to feel as lonely and sad and scared as I have been in my life. Mm. And that he can always have me as like a bright energy spot for him. Like, I'm here for you and I'm, I'm going to make these calls, but I'm also not going to put it on me to be the relationship again at this point to, to Mm. keep chasing you because at a certain point, I feel like it almost makes you uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Just this, Mm, this, this relationship that I think just, you know, is what it is. And, Mm. and, but to get past that feeling of having him as my narrative for everything I said, well, my dad, my parents, you know what I mean? Letting go of that in your twenties narrative. Mm -hmm. And realizing like pain is real. People not getting help is real. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not going to hold that against him anymore because I, I found the, I found somebody to really help me. I found help and I was one of the lucky ones. And for whatever I can do to try to extend that to him, I can't make him take it, you know? Yeah. And it, it's maybe not for him, but I just, God, I love him in a way that I never have. And yet mm-hmm. I don't feel like that will be 
you know, overshared or anything, you know, it's, yeah. it's just like, is what it is. And I think he knows, like, he can, I'm here, you know, I hold nothing but love for him. And okay. I just want him to be some kind of fulfilled, some kind of happy, you know, oh he just doesn't see that for himself. And I'm like, my dude, it's cool. It's yeah. cool. I promise. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned, you know, you kind of discovered a lot of that during your sobriety work, which I know, um, that's, that's been recent, right. In the last couple yes, of years. Yes. So that was so after the last time you were chatting with us, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. So I still had a couple of years to go on and off of relapse after that. Um, so that was 2020, right? 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So the pandemic really, um, I, I, I really reverted during that time before mm -hmm. I even knew what was happening. It's like, I knew, but I like, my body just went into this stasis that it, it, it just went and got the things and, and yeah. So what was your that, drug? Sorry that, to interrupt. What was your drug of choice? Like what was, what was the drug that you were or alcohol that you were running from? So, um, Adderall was always horrible for me. Like it wasn't mm -hmm. the Adderall, like, Oh, let's just pop a couple on a day. It's like, I stayed up for five days straight and, oh, wow. and no eating, um, sleep deprivation and malnutrition just was like a crazy person. So I started even that out with some Xanax. So you got too high on the Adderall, then you pop a Xanax, then you pop another Adderall, then you pop a Xanax. <sighs> and then because that wasn't always accessible or was too expensive, I started drinking um, really heavily. And I would drink, I would get a bottle of Milagro, the tequila. And I was not a mixed drink person. Nope. You're either going to just take straight shots from the bottle and like just as, and then the Adderall is kind of keeping you, it's, it was just a cocktail of hell. Um, and um I finally did it for the last time and I knew it was the last time I call it shit show weekend one and two mm -hmm. and August 31st 2021 is my date mm -hmm. and um yeah I just I decided to get the mental help that I needed yeah. because the addiction was really secondary to the thing that I was feeling and trying to run from right so that's when I realized that I had BPD, which mm. solved so many, <laughs> answered so many questions. Yeah. And um, that's when I started to focus on that. And the sobriety just became, you know, like second nature after that. When I started focusing on the root issue, I mean, there are still obviously things that, I mean, I, I don't feel triggered around drugs or alcohol now, mm. but that's not to say, I mean, people are in the program for 10 years and go out. So there is a diligence about my, diligence I love that word so we're gonna use it yeah <laughs> <laughs> of like um what what was I just talking about sorry oh about because people relapsed he said oh, yeah God, so yeah going. so I I just was like I, I there's a diligence in the program that you have to keep right mm -hmm. making amends making sure so here's the, the thing that I didn't get you wake up with the alcoholism and then you diffuse it, you wake up with your character defects, in other words, right? You wake up with any time that you're not heard, you react, you wake up with all that crap, right? And then you in in enable the program, yeah. you pray, you meditate, which is, these are simple things that, you know, a wellness program brings, but I had to have it seriously attached to my health to bring it into my life. And so you wake up with the ism and I wake up with the BPD and I do what I can to try to give myself the best possible mm. start to the day, eat, medicine, you know what I mean? Don't look at my phone right away. And then I just try to check myself the whole day 
each and every time. I don't have the luxury of long lasting anger. That's, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what they say. It's because it's, it's, you can't remain in that emotional gray area for too long. You really got to put boundaries on what you're feeling and your behavior, you know? And that's a lot of what DBT is. It's like, look, we know you're doing the best you can, but you've got to try a little bit harder to Mm. handle your BPD. It's called dialectical, dialectical behavioral therapy, which is just like the balance of opposites, Mm. you know? So like, yes, you're doing the best you can, but you got to find the energy to do better. And the alcoholism and taking drugs is just the band-aid, right? It's just, it's, it's how to make yourself feel better. And I so relate to when you say like, I wake up every single morning with severe anxiety and I don't even know why, like it's so programmed in me about child actor like you. I think, I don't know if I was born this way, if I became this way, I don't know if it was, you know, genetic or environment, but I wake up and I panic about perfectionism and you know do I even want to do this podcast because I don't have the right lighting and why is my hair break like just ridiculous things that are so meaningless to the outside world but for me they're so big and I it's hard with kids because you know they wake up at 6 a.m and they're like you know be the person I need you to be right now and I'm not even the person I want to be for myself and I it's, it's a hard one for me in the morning. Like, it's funny when you say you wake up in the morning and you have the ism. So I, I don't know, mine's not alcoholism, but I have the perfectionism. Um, mm. I have the anxietyism. Um, mm. I have the panicism and I have to regulate myself and I'm not on medication um, because I'm scared. Honestly, I, I think I probably should be on medication, but I'm so afraid to take the medication that will help me because I'm afraid of what the medication might do. Will I feel worse? And I think a lot of people feel that way. And I think it's really brave of you to be talking about it. Um, you know, Lucy came out and said that I had no idea that Lucy was struggling with alcohol. I, do, I don't know if you did, but I didn't know that. I knew that she had uh, back in the day, but I didn't know on Pretty Liars and continuously now that she was still struggling with alcoholism. I, I She looks perfect, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I um, I just, I, I know a couple of mutual friends and so, um, just in response to my sobriety, they were like, wow, you know, it seems to be a good thing. There was no talking or just, you know, gossiping about the language at all. It was just like in the, in the note of sobriety, like she has also achieved that. And I think, um, gosh, good for her, man. I knew, I knew a little bit on, on set and whatever. And I'm just so, so proud of her. Like it literally doesn't matter what's going on in your outside life, man. You wake up with the ism and you can't shake it. That builds up for a month of six months, a year, and you just can't battle it anymore. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, the right help. And it's like, look, I totally, totally feel that. Like, and I also think you really take care of your body and your mind and your health with like nutrition. And I know that that is such imagine, a huge, imagine how much worse it could have been. Like, you know, if exactly. I didn't, that's what I think. Exactly. Like, so I oh can, my goodness. I, yeah. I can understand how medicine would sort of be this, like, what right. I'm doing literally. I'm standing on my head and off. taking <laughs> Puricatin. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, it just came to a point where I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't not. And so, um, yeah, that, that, but you know, once I became aware of it and I didn't need it to be so drastically just getting into the therapy and like whatever, but the medication really does work for me. And so, um, yeah, that's just what I'm going to stick on for now until I have better coping skills. But like yourself, I don't want to be 
I don't want to be attached to a medicine forever. Like I don't want to need anything forever to like, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm just hoping and praying that with more, you know, emotional practice and work, because that's really what it is. They, you don't like, like you can grow out of BPD a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can retrain those grooves in your brain. You can really um, be aware of those emotional responses. Right. And so it's not like you grow out of it, but you can keep a real eye on it to where it becomes Mm -hmm. second nature. Um, and so, yeah, I think because didn't you think it was that bipolar? Didn't you think it was bipolar? What last time we spoke, you had said that it was bipolar, and then were you misdiagnosed? I was, I was. Mm-hmm. So it is not a bipolar thing. Um, bipolar, it happens a little bit more, like the time period lasts longer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Of your emotional state or fugue state, it um, and the dissociation lasts for a longer period of time. With um with BPD, it's usually like like it. I mean, it just like rats your brain like crazy, and so then you have to make all these abeds to the people that you're like, I'm fine now. <laughs> I'm sorry I told you to cough and that you were the worst thing in the eye the world, but I'm, <laughs> I'm all right now. So yeah. just a whole bunch of that back and forth and impulsivity mm-hmm. and like all of that was just like the perfect concoction for a a drug. <laughs> yeah and what's like what's the official what's your official diagnosis like did they say like this is what it is yes the the my therapist was like all right I can tell you uh, 99% sure that this is exactly what you have and I read some more into it and I was uh-huh. like I absolutely think that this is what it is and it's it's from this early early like the main symptom of it is a real uh-huh. or perceived abandonment right? I go into a tailspin. I have done things that I can't even like say when I have like thought somebody was going to leave me. I mean, really crazy stuff. Mm. And um, yeah, it's just learning. I mean, it's that whole forgiveness with my dad. It's all of this stuff coming Mm -hmm. full circle. You know what I mean? Realizing how many things started with moments that are snapshots in my brain, how many things started with that. This is Mm -hmm. where you lost your voice. This is like where you lost your confidence. This is, Mm -hmm. you know, and doing doing that work, I think, and being able to forgive my dad, man. Um, oh, that's huge. Yeah, just yeah. a lot of yeah. It it, it all kind of snowballs after a while, and forgiveness so I'm like the you happiest great. I've ever been, and yet I'm still struggle with depression. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like so annoying. It's also so interesting to me too that so many people, and this is amazing that we're all talking about this, and thank you for being so honest. Um, that people that are struggling actually pursue careers right. that put them out in the front, you know, like mm-hmm. while, while, you know, not really speaking about it, which of course you guys do for sure. But like, um, you know, going after these careers, that kind of puts you out front. I think it's just an interesting mm-hmm. kind of dynamic. Why do you think that is, you yeah. know, what so- is it? BPD is like an emotional dysregulation disorder. So while I think it is the weakest part of me, I also think that it is the mm-hmm. strongest part of me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That dysregulation works for me. And so that was actually a lot of the reason that I wasn't diagnosed sooner is that mm-hmm. I thought I was just an actress. You're just a real passionate actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're supposed to mess up your <laughs> life like this. Mm-hmm. You're just good at your job. And then on set, you'd be so praised for this same behavior right out of context and out of boundaries that you were getting in such trouble for mm-hmm. you were ruining your life about and yet the, those were the um yeah those those yeah 
It's funny because like I, I see, you know, people message me after like if they've watched a scene that I've done or whatever, and they're like, ha, oh, you seem so nice and normal and stable. I can't believe you could go off the rails like that in this movie. And I'm like, this is my life. Like, what are you this is a normal Friday night. If my husband did something, I like lost my mind and drove for like an hour. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like what you see <laughs> is just a channeling of what I have inside me on mm-hmm. a daily basis. You mm-hmm. know, but you keep your shit together and you put out the, I, I love your, your Instagram and your TikTok is doing so well, by the way, like you are just exploding with all that stuff because I think you're being totally honest about what's happening inside and you're showing it on the outside and there's no, like you're not holding anything back. And I think so many people on social media and I, I do it sometimes. I'm like, you know, project the perfect life, project that you love being a mom all the time, project that you have the perfect relationship. And it's just not the case. Like we're all struggling with something. And I think the more honest we are, the less people feel alone and they connect with you. And I think that's why your show also your new podcast is doing so well is because you guys are just so honest and you're so real. And mm. I, I do, like you said, before we started shooting this, that it's something that like that passion and that connection and that something that you didn't know that you still had. And I can see that. And I think that is why people are watching. That is why people are listening because mm. they can see you sort of like figuring something out out in front of everyone you know like in real time in real time yeah yeah no Mm -hmm. i i appreciate that because that is that is exactly my life and um yeah i just here's the deal i can say definitively for the first time since i've known what it actually means is that i trust myself Mm. i trust myself even with the still that the outbursts like i they're becoming fewer and I can also de-escalate quicker and like the the things are be- everything is becoming better and it's like I can trust myself I can trust myself out I can trust myself in a an uncomfortable situation um I'm here for me I'm not abandoning ship anymore and I was accumulating that knowledge and that courage for so long like five and a half years of trying to do this sober thing and yeah and and it finally happened like yeah. it finally happened. And that switch, that switch over was like, because oh, they, they talk about it in the program, just like that moment, that right. moment where you know, where you know, and I'm going to be honest, I never knew before there was just shame attached to waking up from the relapse, right? Mm. Biggest thing I've learned, that shame, you do not put yourself, you don't victimize yourself. Don't say, oh, you guys, you are so stupid, stupid, stupid. Like I would, I, I would lay yeah. here. And the two demons inside my head, the little girl and the demon would literally fight and be like, I know you're so stupid. I know I'm stupid. Blah, 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 blah. Yep. And like, I don't do that anymore because I don't mm-hmm. even indulge in that because that's an indulgence yeah. after a while. Right. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like that has become so not giving me the thing that it used to, mm-hmm. that it's not even like a thing. It's so impotent now. And I never thought that that voice would like have less power than my reason or my rationale, you know? And so that's the part that I stopped doing too. It's like victimizing yourself again for problem behavior because you like want to tell yourself you're bad and you want to, you know what I mean? Like, and you get a dopamine rush. They say, they say that you actually get dopamine from negative talk. So if you're low on dopamine, I didn't know this. I was like, wait, the people should have told us this. 
When mm-hmm. you are low on dopamine, you actually get addicted to negative thoughts because it gives you a dopamine rush. It actually makes you feel better when you're talking negatively, but then it makes you feel worse. It's like this, it's this dance with the devil. Yeah. That is exactly what I was experiencing. I have goosebumps. That is wild. Up and that is down. <laughs> the dopamine's coming back up and it's I know it's, it's this whole dopamine I'm always searching for it and I think actors search for it more than normal people or entertainers like you think I think about Taylor Swift right and they're like mm. oh my god look how amazing and I'm I'm like that is so amazing but when she gets off that stage I'm telling you all that dopamine adrenaline corsetal all the good things serotonin that she's feeling on stage I'm telling you when she gets off that stage it lasts for about an hour and then she mm. probably feels off for a while. Like she, I don't mm. know where her mental health is, but she probably has to really work at herself and realize like, that's not real. I just got a huge hit, right? It's like a drug hit. Mm-hmm. And then you right. come down from it and you actually feel quite lonely. That's what Lady Gaga talks about. You actually feel mm-hmm. really lonely and really low afterwards because mm. you've had all those endorphins that are natural. And then where do they go? Mm. That's oh. interesting. Yeah. Cause I mean, if that's probably the top of the, the food chain, when you're talking like that level of like the hit, you know, and that's why you search that's for it. That's why a lot of entertainers yeah. search for it. Cause they come off stage and then they drink cause they're trying to get that dopamine back again. Right. Or they dopamine. have sex addiction or they have drug addiction or whatever the gambling, because they're trying to get that dopamine rush back up after they've had it naturally. So that's why a lot of, you know, and it took me a long time to learn this. It was like, I'm searching for dopamine. And sometimes I search it in conflict and I search Mm. conflict with my husband Mm. and he'll say it to me and I feel ashamed and I have to work on that. But he'll be like, you're searching for dopamine right now. There's nothing wrong. Like we're Mm. not like this fight that we're having over the fucking tortilla in the the (laughs) fridge is not enough to be this angry and I'm like, huh, like it takes a lot for me to go, wow, I'm searching for dopamine. Mm-hmm. I'm searching for it. Is that your new short film? <laughs> yeah. Searching, <laughs> that that is is searching for dopamine. That is yeah. the best. That yeah. is the best. <laughs> you do. And you search it in many different, like this is dopamine, right? A podcast. Mm-hmm. So we will feel better after this. But if you're not having that dopamine through like in, in good, in, in healthy ways, which is mm-hmm. friendships and exercise and meditation and a massage, all those healthy ways you get dopamine, you search for it through phone and alcohol and fighting. Mm-hmm. And I get a lot of dopamine from my phone, but it also makes me really miserable. You know, it's giving us that mm-hmm. quick hit of dopamine. That's why TikTok does so well is because we're getting these fake short bursts of dopamine and then we're Ooh. it's coming up and then going down, then coming up and going down. That's why so many, they say that kids are so much more anxious and depressed now that they have smartphones that my daughter's not going to get one until she's 16. I don't care. I do not care. I am, <laughs> she can fight me all she wants. I don't care. I, she can have a flip phone. She can call me and she can call her friends. No. She can speak to her friends for hours on the phone. Happy with that. But she's mm-hmm. not sitting there flicking on apps because I nope. know that it's going to affect her mental health. No social media wow. at all. No I'm way. So when she's so 18, so- she can have social media. Yep. When she's 18. Yep. She can choose. Yep. Yep. Wow. Right on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I can't I mean, imagine what it's like to navigate the world, like all the changes for yourself and then your kid. Like that's that's got to be tough. But like, it's amazing. amazing though, like, you, it's like, amazing you have though. Energy. Right, and it's amazing in this age group already. These eight, mm-hmm. nine year olds 
some of them already have social media. Oh, of course they do. Frightening. You know, it's so scary. One of my favorite people in the world, this little eight-year-old that I've known since she was six, um, Mm -hmm. she's been banned off of TikTok already. And I'm just like, how? Because you're stumbling into or putting on content that you are not, that you don't know about yet. You don't even know what you're doing. Like, it's not just yeah. a little dance around, you know? And it's like, yeah, yeah take it out. And it, like, yeah, it's it's really disheartening. I mean, yeah. And I wonder, like, I, I asked this comment on my Instagram. I said, you know, what do you guys think about makeup? So my kid is nine. Oh my God. She wants to wear makeup. That. And so mm-hmm. I look like, what's the reason? The reason is she wants to look better. She wants to look more attractive for who? Probably soon the opposite sex. Like, you know, kids are getting their period now at 11, which I find it crazy to me. Oh. I, I remember people getting them 15, <clears throat> 14, 15, maybe mm-hmm. 13. I think it's the food. Supp- I think it's the water supply. I think it's the estrogen in the foods. Kids are getting at 11, which means that they're, they're going through puberty at 11 and they're wanting to attract the opposite sex by wearing lipstick and their hair. And mm-hmm. it's a hard one for me because, you know, you don't want to over sexualize your kid too young, but you also don't want them to feel like the only weirdo in the group. Who's like not wearing mm-hmm. mascara. Like you don't, you know, always a thing. Yeah. 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 You know what I've been doing? I've just kind of like when she inquires about it, you know, I say, sure, you know, you can play in mommy's makeup or what have you. I think too, because especially of like our businesses and like what we do, we get sent products and, it, you know, there's a lot of makeup and stuff like that involved. And I think, I think, I hope maybe as long as like what I've been doing is just kind of making it a play thing. Like, oh, here you can play. We'll play together. We'll make it a play thing. I'm hoping, I don't know. We'll see, I guess, in the years to come. But you're right. Like, I don't want her to rely on it as a crutch for like making herself pretty or thinking that she needs that to feel pretty or feel beautiful. You know, Mm. it's a slippery slope. I mean, good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I'm not having kids. I'm like, good idea. (laughs) You guys are such rock stars. Like, I literally can't believe like, and damn it, I can't believe that you, like all your talks to your audience are so like intimate you know and I think like that's what makes it like so lovely and perfect like I get from your life that you're just like a very open and sharing and vulnerable person and like you're always sharing what worked for you with other people and it's really special that kind of community you know what I mean that kind of support so that's the feeling I get what you give out and I'm not even like your demographic of like kids and and all of that but I find myself listening because it's so calming and peaceful and intimate yeah I just I I, I've never had a filter (laughs) that's a problem my husband said to me that day he goes you don't have to say everything that you think like if it enters your brain you don't have to say it out loud. I'm like, really? <laughs> like, he's like, yeah, because your thoughts change in about half an hour or 10 minutes. And I'm like, huh, maybe you're right. And I've just <laughs> never had a filter. And, but that being said, there are some painful spots within myself that are things that I've done in my life or my fears that maybe are too intimate, you know? And I'm sure you have that too with your podcast. You're like, Oh, yeah. how you know uh, 
there's, I was listening to Glenna Doyle's podcast and she said there's something called packaged vulnerability. And I was really nervous for a while and felt ashamed. I was like, well, is that what I give off? You know, packaged mm-hmm. vulnerability and packaged vulnerability is like vulnerability that you feel very safe and you put it in a neat little bow and in a box and then you give it out into the world and you go, I feel comfortable with this. I had miscarriages and it hurt. There you go. Um, but like the real vulnerability, the stuff that keeps you up at night, the stuff that, you know, makes you feel like you're not enough or that you, you know, like what's the meaning of your life in this world? Like, do I go that deep? You know, like, do I really share all that? And maybe the answer is you don't have to, maybe there's Mm -hmm. secrets that you're allowed to keep with you because they're part of who you are that maybe I don't share a lot about my kids actually, like you might think I do, but there's some things we're struggling with, with one of them. And I'm pretty careful because of her privacy. And, and also mm-hmm. like, I don't know how I feel about it all. And I just, yeah. I don't know. There's maybe, yeah. some, maybe some of the secrets, they say secrets keep you safe. And I'm like, maybe I'm allowed to be safe sometimes. Mm-hmm. I actually wanted to incorporate that more into my persona at this point is to keep a few more secrets because right. I was just such a raw wounded, <laughs> like just a wound ball, like a ball of wounded rubber bands. Like that's what I was that I didn't, I didn't even have the energy to put like a cover or a safety cover or a anything over what I was doing. Like I just, the pain was just like bleeding out of me. And while that, while, while, while I'm proud of like what I was able to share, I think some boundaries around Mm. what you share too. I mean, there's, there's one thing in my life that I will never share that I know that I have, but um, like, I I think it's okay to, I don't know, Yeah, I just think it's okay to not have like secrets. to have those secrets for yourself yeah. because mm-hmm. that's something I never really had for myself. I mean, these a- actors are people who have signed over their not signed over their life, but but accepted at an early age to like have this anonymous public, this anonymous audience. Always, you know what I mean. You're always like putting on for them, mm-hmm. and now I've realized that I can curate the show a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that for me is what's going to be most potent going forward, right? Not not mm-hmm. just this like you know, these Uno cards all over the, what about pickup sticks? I, I went from rubber bands to pickup sticks, all the things. Um, not so much of that anymore. I think it's going to serve my feminine more to, yeah, just curate a little bit more of what I put out. And that doesn't mean like not being authentic because like that will always be me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, having that private life that I don't think I've ever enjoyed, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's a valuable point. I mean, I think you can be authentic and be yourself and share about yourself, but also have private moments. You know, it's a balance. It's a balance, yeah. right? I mean, it's it's hard. I find it very hard to share a hundred percent. Like mm-hmm. I still don't like, feel like I know you fully. <laughs> I'm serious. And I love you. I love you like you're my sister, but there's something about I don't know. <laughs> I don't I still there's a part that I can't I can't fall into you're like what is going on like what is your deal I just yeah I can't it's it's I don't know I guess it's a protective mechanism that I have you know where I'm like I can like share something then I like pull back and then I Mm -hmm. share and I pull back and I don't know I can't like pinpoint just like one single like episode or one single thing I mean I know like I'm the oldest daughter and I'm very protective of family and friends and and things like that. So I guess that translates into myself too. 
but I don't know, maybe it's an insecurity too. Maybe I don't feel secure enough to share, you know, and for the reaction of what people, you know, will say or think, I don't know. I'm trying to work through some of that. I know I have to get better about it, but like at the same time too, I kind of like to keep some things close to the chest. You know, yeah. yeah, you don't oh, like to yeah, be, girl. you don't right? like to work even right though now. you can drink. <laughs> I feel like you don't like uh, to be messy, like messy yeah. mentally is what I mean. Like I, you obviously, okay. we can, I feel like there's a part of you that is close. Like I've, I've seen you once break down, but like, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that is your honesty and that my husband doesn't cry a lot at all. And mm-hmm. I think maybe tears or breaking down or being mentally messy is, is a weakness for you and you don't like to feel weak because you know for whatever reason maybe you had to be the older sister and you had to take care of everyone and weakness um, means that people die like in your own you know so you have to be in in the animal pack you have to be strong you know you have to protect people mm-hmm. so whatever that is I just think it's all like a we're all just trying to yeah. survive right <laughs> yeah it's true. I mean and we don't even like count the times that somebody has made us feel silly or stupid and we've like stacked that up you know yes and like doing this like aa homework which is dude i've been in an aa the whole time i've been trying to get sober yeah i didn't get it (laughs) yeah everybody's like there's a moment that you get it and i was like what the i have come to so many stupid (laughs) meetings i'm staring and yet i'm on drugs the next week like what and i got it the spiritual change happened and um so so part of the work is like writing out a timeline of your life and then Mm -hmm. writing out all these people you need to make amends to and why so Mm -hmm. you go to like what happened um what did that affect in you personal relationships blah 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 blah, like um financial security emotional security what does that affect in you what what could you have done differently Mm. and then what fear stopped you from doing it differently Mm. right so it holds you accountable but it also holds you in like what what was scaring you from doing this thing that you knew that you could do right Mm. and writing that out about 30 plus people on this list (laughs) um I did like months of writing and work and it what blew my mind was that a lot of the character defects were the same they just, mm. it's just, there's just like five character defects that followed me for these specific reasons, you know, mm. and, and just writing that down. I'd never taken an inventory of my life or my hurts mm. or my wrongs. Mm. And, um, that, that really helped me too. That really helped me too. I actually went through an experience with my friend where it's like, uh, one of my character defects was not being happy for somebody that I loved when they were achieving something mm. horrible thing to say, horrible thing to feel. I think a lot of people feel that. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, but I was actually able, I, I went and did an emergency fourth step. Emergency. I was on the phone like, <laughs> I care about this person so much, but I can't stop. I need the right to step. And so like, I did my fourth step on her and I ended up just being able to share it with her and hug her. And she was like, okay. And she accepted where I was at and it allowed me mm-hmm. to accept that. And now that feeling, I don't feel that at least with her. Like I have like, I stopped that feeling in its tracks by, by just putting light on it and being like, Mm. I'm a little bit jealous right now. And that's okay. We're not going to live in that or make decisions from that, but that jealousy is okay. Like your friend is a rock star and that's Mm. awesome. You know? Um, And just being happy for, for people, for their little wins. That is something Mm. that has like taken over my heart. And that never really was there because I didn't think there was enough to go around. 
And I didn't think that if they had something that that brought them any happiness beyond me, that I would be less important, that they would leave that. Interesting. Because you said, you you just said something, because I was about to say to you, I have those feelings, which is not all the time, but I have those feelings, which is Mm. the first time I've ever said that out loud. But when you said it's because it's about you, see, it's, it's not the same reason that I have those feelings that you do. The reason that I feel that way is because if somebody else is achieving something, then I must not be good enough. Mm. Whereas yours is if somebody else achieves something, then they don't want to be with you. Like you're mm. not, you know, it's, it's the same. Yes. Like you're not good enough yes. but it's because yes. they don't want you. Whereas from me, it's like, well, if I'm not the top podcast or if I'm not on the top show or if I'm not have the best relationship or if I don't have six kids and other people do and they seem happy, then <laughs> I am a loser. Right. I failed. I so and it's funny because when you compare yourself, which is the death of happiness, when you compare yourself and you look outwards and you're like, oh, my God, that person's achieving and I'm not. It comes across as like envy and hate, but it's really not. You're judging yourself. Like you're judging yeah. yourself. And that's why we compare is because mm-hmm. we don't like who we are in that moment, you know, or yeah. who we are, or where we are in our lives. And yeah. that's something I'm really struggling with and dealing with and trying to overcome too. It's like, why, why do I compare myself so much when other people probably look at my life and go, she's doing well? You know, mm-hmm. why do I always feel like I'm not? Yeah. Hmm. maybe I don't know maybe what do you think it was uh just goes back to like kind of being in the spotlight as a child like that whole sort of growing up in front of the camera you think yeah and I also think um you know my mom was a very successful mm. singer in South Africa mm. and she was a very successful mm. director and then when she came wow. to Australia she became a stay-at-home mom for us and she mm-hmm. loved it, but I could mm-hmm. always tell that there was something missing for her. And mm-hmm. I think that there's a part of it that me being successful, she loved as well because it was like, well, if she didn't do it, at least I did, you know, like at oh, least, and yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't a negative thing. She was very supportive and very loving. And, and, but I, I felt like I had to do it. I had to be successful because she gave me so much and she gave up so much so there's even though it's not supposed to be a burden as as you get older you're like oh there's a burden in that to like make sure that she gets seen through me oh into the world and so if other someone else is doing more than I am then I didn't like make it for her or like my family I, I don't know there's like a lot to unpack there you want to let her down too I don't want to like, let her down way. I don't yeah. want to be I also don't want to leave this world not achieving what I know I can and I think you probably feel that way too it's like are you happy in your career like Mm -hmm. do you feel like there's so much more that you're meant to be doing in this life that you're not and I think I get really scared about time and how Mm -hmm. time is moving so fast and like do I have enough time to show the world maybe it's not the world it's maybe just show myself all the things I know I can do Mm-hmm. You know, yep. That was not. That was just like a. And to be honest with you, like just in a totally different way, I have that with my mom. She was a single mom who 
moved out to LA with me when I was 12 and I feel very much like I tried to push myself in this industry when I was far past needing a break mm-hmm. um, for that, for her dream. That it was also uh, always a very big part of of my path was this dream that she had, and I just I just wanted to achieve it for both of us so bad, you know. Yeah. And I have to realize that like my mom's stuff is her own, and no matter what I achieve for us, it's not going to change like what she has to do for herself. And unfortunately, my mom is not somebody who like like you like the high vibe around her just it, it's still not going to bring her up that's just with me and specifically with my mom like she's got to do that work herself right so no matter like what I achieved it's like it didn't touch her core you know mm. it didn't touch her and it's like but I thought this was a mission and it turns out there's a totally different mission to be had and mm. she's doing that on her own and I I, I hate it because I want her to be right here and I also know that for both of us it's best that we're here like yeah that relationship is just so painful and like unpacking like okay what do I actually want to contribute to this business do I care about being in front of the camera I mean Mm -hmm. that will always be something that I love but teaching amplifying other people's energy um this podcast like I think I'm an amplifier of energy beyond anything right Mm -hmm. and so just to find the place that I fit um, and maybe that's not in front of the camera anymore. I don't have a lot of energy to like get myself ready and print about. Yes, like, I, don't, I don't. I don't have energy I mean? to fight like, the fight in me. Like I want to be an entertainer, but just the fight to like fight is exhausting. And, and especially now when all the rules are changing and different. And yes, evolution—that's great. But there's a morning of like I feel like the industry that we entered. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's not the same. And you don't walk in, you don't audition, you, you know, you're sending in self tapes and doing a million takes. I don't know if you do it. It's like the perfect one to send in (laughs) wasting so much time. I mean, my husband and I have always done it. I I think if anyone wants to enter the entertainment business, if you're listening, my advice is just like, you just got to do it yourself. Like that's Mm -hmm. the only control that you can kind of have because that old way that you and I were talking about is over. Yeah. It's over. It's a gift actually in that way. Social media is a gift to get yourself out there and, you know, especially in the entertainment world and get taken notice of. And so in that way, it's kind of good, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. To to take the power in a different way in our own hands. I feel like it is putting more power in our hands. I feel like I'm bringing stuff up that I never thought I'd be capable of Mm -hmm. when I was just, I say just an actress because it was just a singular identity. You know what I mean? There was no variety. There was no spice of life in that. There was literally just this one entity that was literally holding its breath for as long as it could, you know, and not being touched by anything else. I just said that about, you know, my mom, but like, it's like nothing could touch me before this certain time too, you know? Mm-hmm. And do you worry? Cause I mean, I always worry. Do you worry financially being oh, an actress? And I mean, LA is so expensive. We left Nashville. Like we saved so much money just <laughs> doing the same things in Nashville, but just leaving LA because LA is so expensive. Oh, yeah. But I'm like, do you like, cause I'm always, I don't know if I have a scarcity mindset, but I'm always worried about finances because it's like feast or famine. Um, so I yes. wake up like, oh my gosh, I gotta make money. Like I gotta be, you know, I gotta, I gotta figure it out. I gotta save my family. So like, do you <laughs> worry about money and like, you know, has the podcast Endlessly. helpful in that way or, you know, is it, it just starting? Like, how does that all work? So I am endlessly worried about money because 
Um, I do live in a scarcity mindset. My mom and I, I mean, we were always, you know, we, we were comfortable, but we weren't like well off. And she brought in a single mom, like income and whatever. And so I, I, from a very early age, that worried me. And then I got to LA and it started to be like mm. a survival necessity. Like how long are we going to be able to stay out here? Like our, like, I didn't want to worry my mom. I knew that these opportunities were taking resources from us. And if there wasn't any payback, like, mm. you know, and so there, there was this scarcity mindset. And then we started to make money then a lot, you know, the feast or famine thing. And now uh, I've got my hustle down to kind of a science and I have places that I can go, like, you know, TikTok brands that like I have a few different irons in the fire that something always lights up if, you know, but those I've had to add those irons to the fire. Holy moly. Mm. Like mm. I've had to like lean on friends a lot. And, you know, this podcast, like I said, it is just getting started. So I think it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be great, but it's not quite there yet, you know? And so I worry constantly about money, but there's really only so much worry you can do. I know. Like all I can really do is hustle. Like I don't know what else to do. And I'm just praying for that time that I have money in my bank account again and can just like, just chill for a minute. Because I know. The hustle is exhausting. Yeah. It is awful. Um, do you reach out to brands okay. yourself or are you, do people do that for you? So both, right. Yeah. Um, I have a brand manager. Um, he actually lives in Canada. So like, you know, he's got that market covered and mm-hmm. you know, he, he helps me with brands here, but also, um, I've gotten in touch with a lot of brands on my own and tried to like attach people to people and to events and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So I've gotten a little bit of, you know, stuff from that, but I reach out myself you know, I always check that SAG residuals thing. Cause that's still coming through I a know. little bit, little bit nice. but I don't know. Like, little, it's probably why we're going to have to go on off. strike. <laughs> and, you know, cameos like a super amazing outlet for me. Um, you know, reels and, and TikTok and stuff like that. But just a lot of like boots on the ground, digital email, just emailing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's always yeah. a hustle, right? It's oh. just, it was never this kind of a hustle for me. And it's mm-hmm. actually kind of incredible because I didn't know that I was capable of hustling mm. like this, you know? Um, and it's kind of a rush to know that like I did this project start to finish on my own. I edited it. I created it. I did all this stuff and now I'm going to put it out. So that right. part I really do like. Mm-hmm. When I'm in LA, I'd let's just love to see you. So, oh my gosh. Don't be a I would love stranger. To see you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like do silly things, but we'll also hug and I'll lift up your tiny body. I'll <laughs> I don't know if it's tiny anymore. You'll lift up my, lift my, up my saggy whole body. <laughs> oh my god and Roxy where the heck are you you're not yes I'm in LA too we need to make a reunion we're pulling this girl out we're gonna go yes. have lunch we're gonna yes. keep this therapy session going and like yes. you are so wonderful and lovely your podcast has been going for like four years four years yeah. why have we not given up I'm just kidding <laughs> because the people need it the and people need it. Yeah. need it and you guys were like right on the tipping forefront of all that happening you know like good for you it was helpful yeah that was definitely helpful I think like we first got into it and it's it's been such an amazing learning curve like yeah and we put truly our so much of ourselves into it it's like our blood sweat and tears like you're saying it's just it's a lot of work but it's so gratifying too yeah 
Yeah. Every time I want to quit, I'm just like, I do an episode and I'm like, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> you walk like, away. Oh, I really movie. like it. Shit. It feels like good. a big group oh, hug. And then you're yeah. going away with these little tidbits about yourself. You know what I mean? Oh my God. Yeah. Like I've learned so much. I know. Especially like coming from like Tam and I feel like you were so good and like really into like the self-help world and like all the experts and everything. And I really started listening in more when we started mm-hmm. doing this. And just in that time, I've learned so much that I would have never probably taken the time to learn about myself and about other people. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's really quite amazing. It's like therapy almost, oh, you know, like therapy, right? Totally. Totally. And my beautiful so, people, if I don't leave right now, I'm going to yeah. be kicked out. Of this. I'm supposed to go <laughs> down into the city. I'm staying at my parents' house and it's like so far away. And they're texting me like, we're there, we're here. And I'm like, oh shit. It's oh like God, 45 minutes video. away. You're like, I, I haven't left. Surprise video. So I'm like, <laughs> I gotta <laughs> go. I know. Yeah. But I love you so much and tell love everyone you, where they can, uh, um, where they can find you. Okay. So I'm on TikTok and Instagram at Lady M. Shosters. And then the Ned's Pod, Ned's Podcast Survival Guide at Ned's Pod on TikTok. Um, yeah, come and come and listen in. It's like a silly good time. Amazing. So well, good. we love you so much. And guys, don't I forget to you, rate, beauties. subscribe, and comment. We are Thank women you on so official much. on Instagram. I really needed this today. Yes, <laughs> and Women on Top podcast on Facebook, and Women on Top official on TikTok too. Yes, so. I am, and I'm Tamin uh, Sursok, and I am Roxy Manning, and you are. Lindsay Shaw. And we are all women. <laughs> women. On. On. on, on. Ah. 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 Ah.